We just stepped on their face with a hobnailed boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Hello, welcome to an emergency podcast, uh, as some other people call it. Uh, <laughs> we need a uh, breaking news. Yeah, we'll, music we'll work on that, that bumper music. Um, well, we'll get right to it. Uh, this is a damn good podcast. This is Seth Emerson over there is Jeff Schultz, and we are reacting to a very busy newsy Wednesday. Some of it expected, but still rather stunning when it comes down. Some of it way out of left field. Uh, let's create the day. Yeah. And by the way, this this all happened after Jeff and I were up like till past midnight at a basketball game last night. Yeah, I uh, I rolled I rolled into my house in Roswell, Georgia at about uh, 3 a.m. But nobody cares about our problem, Seth. Crap's happening everywhere. I mean, I, 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 my head is spinning. Now, let me look. You've been writing even more than me, I think, although I did write basketball last night. You did. So let me just. Take a breath. I did and not. Let me just. I, I wrote. I, I passed on writing a basketball story last night because I knew this yeah, was coming. I was saving my juice exactly for this. Let, let, so just take a step back. Let me try to recap for everybody. I'm, I'm trying to get everything straight. So basically, what happened in the last 12 hours, whatever it's been, is Jake Fromm got maimed by a man-eating folding chair. Cade Mays took a step back from the royal family. And Megan Marble is in the Megan Markle is in the transfer portal. Did I get all that right? Yeah, that, you know, is that, what? is that pretty much? We, I don't think we have time for your jokes. <laughs> I can't make it oh, well, fine. I'm trying to. I'm confused with all the stuff that's gone on today. What happened about what was it about eleven o'clock eleven eleven fifteen today? Yeah, that, that, you're you're hilarious. So around eleven fifteen today, I texted you. What did I text you? Am I allowed to say what you texted me? Or you asked me? Uh, I would. Is, is this the one about Jake? Yeah. But do about you remember what I texted you? Yes. You said that it was uh, that uh, he was he was going to declare today, and um, but we were just waiting for confirmation. It looked like it was going to happen. So I thought that this was going to. Sometimes in in media things just come out of the blue. Sometimes you kind of get a heads up. I'm not going to get into the details, but I, I following this situation long enough, you follow the program. Let's just say that I knew something was coming down with Jake and I knew he was going to declare for the draft. Probably enough to write it if I wanted, but ultimately, you know, it's like recruiting. Kids can change their mind and you want to give them a chance to make the announcement themselves ultimately, but mainly from a news gathering standpoint, kids can change their mind and you, you can look stupid if you report something. Um, so we let it go. And then, I, then I hear it's going to be at noon. I'm like, okay, all right, we're waiting. And then the minutes keep going by and by. It's like, <laughs> is he rethinking this? And Monty Rice actually announced at 1145 Eastern that he was coming back. He didn't really quite come out and say it that way, but he pretty much signaled it. So I, I think what may have happened was give Monty his moment. And then finally at 1.30, Jake sends out the tweet that he's going pro. And every, I had two stories ready to go. If people, people may have noticed, and I think Jeff, you were working on yours too. I had two stories, bam, out right away. You, you prepare 
this, this did not catch us, catch us flat-footed. But about 10 or 15 minutes after that happens, the Cade Mays thing comes out, that he's in the transfer portal, and you're like, what? This guy's a sophomore. He's not a grad transfer. He's going to be the team's starting left tackle. Oh, and then like an hour or two after that comes the story that his father is suing the university and the makers of a folding chair company uh, for his pinky getting severed during a recruiting trip like two years ago. Eh. This is so cliche. How many times can we, we hear this story? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. Of, of the finger shooting across the room, the, the finger shot across the floor, quote unquote. I mean... This looks like a rather brazen and transparent attempt, in my mind, to get Cade Mays eligible and get a waiver from the NCAA, whether it's through negotiation with the with Georgia. Basically, I think the needle they're going to try to thread is that um, two years ago this happened, Cade Mays' dad, uh, Kevin Mays, tried to settle out of court with Georgia and the company and and it it took magically until this December when he finally decided that he needed to go through the legal process and it would be unfair for Cade Mays to have to stay at the university where that his father is suing. That's a needle they're going to try and thread. So the emotional trauma of Cade Mays' father losing his pinky in a freak stupid accident is that is going to be their case to the NCAA to say, hey, we shouldn't have to sit out a year. Let me go to Tennessee. Right. Now, Tom Mars, by the way, is not working for players anymore. He's been working for the NCAA. I don't know at this point who Cade Mays' family is getting advice from. They must be getting advice from somebody, I would think, but maybe not. Maybe this is all they're conjuring, and, and this is what they want to do. I mean, I'm not like – look, I, I'm, I'm on record saying that I think transfers, you should get a one-time transfer without having to sit. Um, that would qualify under my beliefs, and, and this is what other people believe. A lot of other people believe, too. Cade Mays would be able to go to Tennessee next year and play right away. Then he wouldn't be able to, like – transfer somebody else somewhere else and again but yeah but under the existing rules he can unless he gets a waiver so we're going to be doing I, this now I, i'm in i'm in complete agreement i still don't know how to tie all this into the royals i've been trying to think about this in the in the background but i guess it- you're you're really trying hard to make this funny and this is a serious issue a man <laughs> lost the tip of his pinky finger pinky swear jeff <sighs> sorry I'm sorry. Can I do this show with Rennie? I think Rennie would <laughs> Rennie take never this makes seriously. jokes. I'm sorry. I apologize to Cade Mays, his his father and his entire family. I just feel like you're not taking this seriously. Let me ask you this. I mean, Jake Fromm, we all knew Jake Fromm, like you said, leaving was a possibility. Um the Cade Mays thing is out of the blue. Given that so what they've lost, they will have lost assuming Cade Mays is not back next year with Georgia which at this point seems to be a safe assumption, although guess you never know. They will have lost four of their starting five offensive linemen. Right. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of like three and a half. Um, ben Cleveland and Cade Mays were sort of trading off starting spots. Um, Cade Mays, because he was so versatile, they, they played him everywhere. 
basically. Um, I think he even got snaps at center in one game. Um, but he was going to be the left tackle. I, I, if you consider that they had six starters or you gave a half start to half starter status to Mays and Cleveland, right now they're down three and a half. But Ben Cleveland isn't certain to come back next year because he was academically ineligible for the, the Sugar Bowl, and it hasn't been confirmed yet that he's coming back. I mean, even with losing some guys on defense, they're going to be really good on defense. I think we both agree that they're going to be pretty good at running back and, and wide receiver. The remarkable thing about this team now is that, you know, you have a you have a program that in three consecutive years recruited Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, and Justin Fields, and is now scrambling to probably try to get a transfer quarterback, which I imagine they will be able to do. And with incredible depth on the offensive line, which they might still have, they're suddenly scrambling now to replace three to four starters uh, on the offensive line uh, and their offensive line coach, by the way, uh, which has sort of has sort of gotten buried in all of this. And and Matt looks very good. So I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like, oh my God, what are they going to do there? Um but this comes off a year, and I, I know you addressed it in one of the 17 stories I think you wrote today. Um, this comes off a year in which uh, in, in which the offense had some problems. So l- let me ask you this. I mean, whoever is running the offense next year and whatever it is Georgia runs next year, how much in your mind does this move the needle back, if at all? I mean, or were they going to push reset anyway? <laughs> that's that's the key question. Um, we don't know. We, we haven't had a chance to really talk with Jake um, and, and people close to him to to find out like exactly what went into the decision. What were the most important factors? Did he talk with Kirby and James Coley, uh, and did they tell him, "Look, this is what we're going to do next year"? And, and he wasn't excited about it, or was he excited and just decided that, you know, if he got a second round draft grade, which I don't know if it was a second round draft grade or or later, but um, did he just say, "I think that this is that's still good enough for me"? I, I don't know. Um, I do think it's a chance to kind of, in a sense, blow it up and start I over. Agree. Uh, you know, they, they, yeah, they don't literally have to do that. They're, they're, they've got Zamir White and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh at running back. Even after all this attrition on the O-line, they've got Trey Hill, who was a highly recruited guy. Jamari Sawyer was a five-star guy. Um, they've got Clay Webb, who's a former five-star, who's got his own off-field issue. We've, we're treading carefully on that, but you can Google it and figure that out. Um, they, they've Sam Pittman did not leave the cupboard bare, and they've got some recruits coming in, and they, they feel really good about the wide receivers. Uh, a tight end, you know, they, they signed Darnell Washington. He may have to play right away. Yeah, but so much comes back to quarterback and who they get, and they've been preparing for this. They've they've known this was a possibility. They couldn't. Now they could actively talk. That's the thing with someone like Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, the grad transfer from there, because he was in the transfer portal. They didn't have to wait to talk to Jamie Newman or any other quarterback that was in the transfer portal, um, like the kid from Boston College that Bruce Feldman wrote about along with Jamie Newman today, Anthony Brown. It is. I think his name is. And uh, they could 
K.J. Costello from Stanford. They could talk to him. They couldn't technically talk to Derek King because he's not in the transfer portal or uh, Chase Bryce from Clemson, um, who is not in the transfer portal yet. He's been talked about a lot. If, if it's going to be Jamie Newman, I think it might happen real quickly because, A, they've been able to talk to him, and, B, Jamie Newman, and, by the way, this is the Wake Forest quarterback right. who is from North Carolina. He has been linked to Oregon for a long time. Why hasn't he committed to Oregon yet? Perhaps because he was waiting to see what Jake Fromm did. Now that Jake Fromm has gone pro, if that's a match that's going to happen, if if Georgia wants to make it happen with Jamie Newman rather than wait for Derek King or Chase Bryce to get in the portal, uh, I think Georgia might do that with Jamie Newman very quickly. And, and ironically, as, as Bruce Feldman um, pointed out in this really good story in The Athletic, which which people should read if they haven't had a chance, um, yeah, Jamie, Jamie Newman and Anthony Brown have both been working out in Atlanta, ironically enough. Yes. With, uh, so they could just drive over and say, exactly. how you doing? Um, preparing basically. By the way, the Jake Fromm's leaving. We have a starting opening. You want to start for us <laughs> yes, next year? Yes. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, re- regardless of, of the turnover and regardless of, what offense they run next year. And regardless of who's calling the plays, you might as well just throw that out there too because we still are not 100% certain what's going to happen. Because there's an offensive – there's a they have a coaching opening yeah, right. with special exactly. teams. So Todd Hartley could pick up special teams. You could hire someone to be a Joe Brady type to kind of help James Coley or supplant James Coley. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean – it's still a long off season. I mean, there's a lot of coaching shuffles that could happen around the country, and that includes James Coley. But, but regardless of the changes that Georgia makes, they're going to be solid defensively, and they are going to have uh, the running game. E- even with the shuffle on the offensive line, they're going to have probably a strong enough offensive line and certainly enough talent in the backfield, especially after what we saw from Zamir White. I, I think in the Sugar Bowl. Um, I presume he's going to be I, – I believe he's going to be even better next year in terms of his explosiveness. Because he's um, playing every – he's right. playing more and he gets a chance to get better rhythm. And, and well, when we saw the, when we saw the instincts against Sugar, in, in the Sugar Bowl game, yeah. that, I mean, that's what impressed me. He, 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 he made the right decisions. He didn't, he didn't have that, oh, my God, look at that speed, that burst. But I think that's pretty common when you're coming off major injuries. Um, I suspect that that burst will be there next year. My point is that with the defense and a running game, at the very least, they're probably going to be at least the same team they were this year, next year. Um, if they can block for that running game. The run blocking at times wasn't great this year, and w- correct. We, we still don't know whether that was because they were running into too many boxes and they didn't account for that yes, enough, exactly. or if the run blocking just wasn't as good as it as it should right. be. Right. I, I mean, it gets back it, to me, it gets back to being predictable with, with – too many play calls or whatever. But, um, you know, whether this team kind of goes next level or not, and I kind of wrote this, I referenced it in my column today, is that is that it's still sort of going to be up to what we thought it was going to be up to going back to what we all talked about and wrote after the SEC title game. What changes is Georgia going to make? And mm-hmm. now, as it turns out, now we know that some of those changes are going to include a quarterback, and it seems to me, you know, I haven't looked at all of the transfer 
quarterbacks out there, at least potential guys, are they all dual threat guys? I have. Okay. Not all of them. KJ Costello can run at Stanford, but he's not as much a dual threat guy. Jamie Newman is. Um, man, I gotta. I think Anthony Brown is too. Is he not? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I, I think, you know, Derek I think, King is. And Derek uh, King is. Chase Bryce probably more of a pocket guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I may be forgetting somebody, uh, but yeah, I, I think there, there's a misnomer to use. Uh, Kirby Smart's one of his favorite words that he often misuses, but um, there's a misnomer that Kirby wants they you know like a pocket quarterback out there. I think there's a good case to be made that he's really tried hard to get a dual threat guy here. He recruited Justin Fields. He recruited John Reese Plumley, who was running right. all over LSU's defense and other SEC defenses when he was at Ole Miss when he was the starter this year, um, and and. I, I think you know. Number one, he got he inherited Jacob Eason, and he had to he he who wouldn't want Jacob Eason, and then he he needed another good backup quarterback, and he liked Jacob Jake Fromm, and so he went and got Jake Fromm. But after that, he really started to recruit dual threat guys like Justin Fields and John Reese Plumley, and and you know Dwan Mathis and Carson Beck. They're more pro style quarterbacks, but they can run too. Um, I think he'd love to get a dual threat guy. The question is, what is he going to do with him? Um, the frustration with Justin Fields was that they kind of, you know, they, they didn't really, they didn't find a good way to use him. Um, but that was going to be hard to do anyway with, with Jake Fromm as the established starter. You couldn't really take him out too much. That was part of the problem. So I, 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 but if they recruit Jamie Newman, for instance, and if you haven't figured out by now, I think he's probably the guy, although that could change very quickly. It's, it's who I would bet right now is going to happen. But if they recruit a dual-threat quarterback, graduate transfer, he's most likely the starter. And now you can build the offense around that. Whereas when, when Fields was here, it, it was hard to do that because Fromm was your quarterback. Well, and he's just – I mean, look, Justin Fields, as good as he was, he wasn't going to get enough snaps during the week. And then, yeah. he, like you said, he had a, he had – there was a starting quarterback here in place already. So he wasn't, you know, as you know, as we, everybody knows, Kirby never really did figure out a way to try to rotate the second guy in there. Um, and clearly that played into Fields' decision to leave. But what I was going to say was, yeah, and you got two things going for you. Number one, the new quarterback, let's say it is Jamie Newman or a dual threat quarterback. If he's the starter from day one, um, let's right now say that's spring camp, um, then then he's he's the guy. He's going to be getting all the snaps and, and the focus is on him. And yes, you can build things around him. But the other thing is, if he's a dual threat quarterback, it kind of helps you get out of some trouble a little bit on those on all those plays that nobody's open and, and the defense knows what's coming, got everything covered, and they've got – gaps filled or whatever and suddenly here's a here's a guy back there who could make a play with his legs and i'm not saying jake Fromm was unathletic but he wasn't obviously a true dual threat dual threat quarterback so it might actually help to some degree to have a dual in my view a dual threat quarterback next year um just for those situations because there probably is going to be a transition period with this offense because you've got so much new um about it you're going to have potentially new coaching new plays um new play calling 
new offensive line, new quarterback, um, and, and a new guy making the decisions in the huddle. I mean, that's a lot of new. Yeah, and, and they they don't want to risk wasting another good year of a great defense, assuming that that happens. And, and by the way, um, they've they ran the table on defense on guys coming back. They, they had four guys that were candidates to go pro and all four coming back opposite of the offense where they had five guys who were candidates to go pro and they've all gone pro. Um, so the defense looks like it's continuing to go in the right direction. The offense is continuing to go in the bad direction, but yeah, you, you, you've got to, for Georgia, when the standard is winning a championship, you can't sit there and say, "Well, 2020 is going to be a transition year." No, you, you got you, you got to just be good enough um, to give yourself a chance, and 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 you've got to count on the defense to be great and the offense to just be good enough. And and so yeah, that's why they're that's where they're going to go out and get a grad transfer rather than say, "All right, you know, let's have a competition between Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck, Dwan Mathis, and whoever wins it." You know, they may take some lumps, but we'll be better, better off for it in the long term. That's what they did in 2016 by giving Jacob Eason the job. Jake Fromm got the job as a true freshman in 2017 by happenstance, by injury. They're not going to do that in 2020. They've, they're they in a different spot, this program is. They need to win now. It, no, I, I agree completely. And look, maybe I'm just, you know, drunk on the Kool-Aid now, but I, I still think they're going to be pretty good next year. Um, and I, I I look at the schedule and I'd still pick them, you know, ten and two at this point. I, I, and and I'm I'm trying to come up with a second loss. Like, you know, the the first one is Alabama, which has its own attrition problems and quarterback questions. Uh, and then after that, it's what? It's the Florida game, uh, Auburn in Athens at South Carolina. I mean, I, right, right. And and so here here we're saying that in a situation where we where there's so much unknown in terms of the roster and the coaching staff and the scheme to some degree. And we, and you and I both still think this, this might be a one loss at worst two loss team, probably still a team that's going to go to the sec title game potentially has a team. Well, we'll see what Alabama and LSU are like next year. Um, and, and look, I made this point in the column and, and I firmly believe this because I think Georgia is going to be fine for all the people who are panicking now that Jake Fromm is is gone to the NFL, regardless of whether you agree with the decision or not, because we haven't really touched on that. It doesn't really matter. Um, if, if Georgia takes a huge step back because Jake Fromm left, then the, then Kirby's program is not as deep and strong and strong as we thought it was or should be. Um Players leave college programs all the time. Quarterbacks leave, star, star running backs, receivers leave all the time. Pass rushers leave early all the time. And and if a program is built right and is strong and deep, it doesn't really matter. I mean, sure, you're going to take a little bit of a hit sometimes, but it shouldn't really matter that much that a guy is leaving. And I understand mm-hmm. the natural paranoia that tends to exist in a lot of fan bases, particularly in college football in the South. But I really believe Georgia's going to be fine. And I say that, I don't usually make statements like that when I when there's so much unknown connected to it. But in this case, I, I feel pretty good about what just what we know about Georgia, 
what they've done and what they have coming back. Yeah, I mean, you, you sound like a few of the posters on my stories. Um, th- there isn't too much of us. The sky is falling kind of mentality out there. And and by the way, I don't think the sky is falling either. Um, you know, I, some commenters, and I've really got to stop reading the comments at this point. Um, criticize me for calling you know it's a mass exodus or or saying that you know Georgia's you know, with my finishing line of the from column saying that, you know, next year just got a lot tougher. It did, but they're not starting next year, next week. They've got eight months to, to gear up for it. Right. And they've still got a great defense as their backbone. And they still got Samir White. They still got George Pickens. They still got Trey Hill. Um, they've, they've still got Dominic Blaylock when he comes back and on and on and on and, and pretty good recruits coming in. Um, they just, they've got some work to do. They've got some work to do now. But they've also got a very manageable schedule next year. I mean, they, yeah, they got to go to Alabama, but you can lose that game. And the other 11, I don't see one that's like, oh, you know, they're definitely going to be the underdog. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I don't think uh, – I, I, certainly in the SEC East, uh, I think Florida is good, but I don't think they're there yet. Tennessee's getting better, but they're not there yet. I mean, it would be – to me, it would be stunning if they didn't win the division again. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't even really know that. I mean, we talked about tougher, more difficult. I, I think there's a challenge there now. God, I look at me. I'm sounding, sounding like a coach. There's a challenge there now over these next few months, let's say three to four months of, of having to get a new quarterback ready. And, and potentially implementing new plays on the offense um, and, and some of that wasn't going to be there if Jake Fromm was coming back because there was that comfort level of, okay, he gets it. We'll just throw a few new plays at him. We'll give him a few new ideas, tell him what we're going to do and we're fine. Let's start focusing on these other things. Let's start thinking about things we're going to do with, with George Pickens. Let's start thinking about, um, you know, play calling. Let's start thinking about what we're going to do when we play Alabama, that kind of thing. Now suddenly you have to start thinking about all these other things that you wouldn't have had to think about if Jake Fromm was there. But I don't think that necessarily is going to be a problem. I think suddenly it's just going to be very busy, like you said, over these next few months with some things that maybe they would not have had to focus on before. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I think you and I are on the same page. It, it Things got a lot tougher today, losing Jake Fromm and Cade Mays. But this is why you recruit. And they might still be in good position come August. I, I suspect – they will be. Uh, let's see. Any any closing thoughts, Jeff? Is Suits coming back on the air? Will Meghan Markle be returning I don't, I don't, to... I, I, enough. You know what? We're keeping this... We're going to keep this show serious. I'm just going to get up and... Oh! I'm, I'm, you okay? All right, did, did you I, hurt, I, did you I, hurt I, a I, finger? I, I, was just, okay? I was getting up and I appear to have severed my pinky. I, my, oh my... God. All right. I got to end the show. I got to get, I need to call Sam Pittman, put it on ice. Or, or one of our venture capitalists. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call my lawyer and call the NCAA. Okay, Wait. Great. Just, just when you put the chair at a certain angle against the wall and just get up the wrong way, man, that's just. I understand. Ugh, who knew? Are, are we going to, do we, are, we really should do an entire podcast just on the maze incident. Can, we should get, we should get maze dad on the phone. What do you think? Yeah, I'm sure that'll be really easy to do. I'll get right on that as we. What else are you doing now? Everything happened today. <laughs> There's nothing left. Well, I mean, there might be a couple of things left. 
All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for coming on for this emergency podcast. Um, it, I guess hopefully for Georgia's sake, it's the last emergency podcast of the of the month or of the off season. But we'll see. The off season just began. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face.